in today's show. The NBA trade deadline is over. I'm going to look at all of the moves. What happened? Ben Simmons, James Harden. Yeah, they're on new teams. We're going to talk about all of that, all the fantasy ramifications as well. Mick Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Here we are. Trade deadline is done. <clears throat> Sorry for the technical difficulties on the Locked On NBA live trade deadline show. Uh, nothing I could do. I was sitting here waiting, the same as you, you guys, for us to go on air. And I don't know what went on with that. So sorry about all of that stuff. But I'm fired up. The chains are off. I'm let loose. I'm ready to actually fire through this stuff. Ten trades, I think. We're going to fire through everything that happened. And I'm going to be wrong about some of this stuff. There's no doubt about it. There's still plenty to play out with a lot of these teams. But Warney, he is, yeah, he is absolutely chomping at the bit. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, the first one. I just, are we just going to do a blanket warning? Kids, cover your ears. Let's do it. Kids, I'm sorry. You're going to hear some rude words, or you're going to have to turn off the show. This is fucking huge. Um, the Nets and the Sixers. There you go. It happened. It, it, it actually happened. The Madman made it happen. What a world. The Nets and the Sixers. Brooklyn gets Benny Simmons, Seth Curry, the big avocado, Andre Drummond, Two future first-round picks. Well, one of them is this year's first-round pick. The Sixers get Jim Harden and Paul Millsap. There's your trade. Okay. All right. So shit happened, right? We. It's what a wild scenario to think that this is what went down when we were talking about the start of the season. It's crazy shit to think that this is actually what what happened. And everyone criticizing Maury for his stance of holding off of, why don't you just take back CJ McCollum? Or what do you want to do? Um, like, he got James Harden. Like, <laughs> as simple, simple as that. He got James Harden. It was feeling more inevitable that Harden would arrive at this team next season. But this is crazy that it's happened now. Um, so, congratulations to the six. I, I, does this put them as the title favorites? Don't know about that. But they no, the Suns deserve that spot. But the Warriors, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets... So many teams with great chances now. And this really, really fires up the... Like, the Sixers should push for a top two seed here. They're only two games, I think, behind the Bucks in the two spot. The Bulls in that mix, obviously. The Heat in that mix. Man, the Heat, I think, are going to get better as well. Which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But just crazy, crazy stuff going on here. So, what are we looking at? Obviously, this is a boost for Ben Simmons. He goes from zero fantasy stats to good ones. He is going to ramp up slowly over the next couple of weeks, allegedly. But we've seen Harden, Durant, Irving. They're playing 36, 37 minutes a night. Simmons is going to do it. Still no resolution on whether Kyrie is going to actually end up being allowed to play home games. So at this point, we're just not expecting him to. And the team is going to look pretty bloody bad with no Kyrie, no Durant, and Simmons being the number one offensive option. Yes, you'll have Seth Curry and Patty Mills bombing away. And that's really useful. But 
This team is still not... It doesn't make them overwhelming title favorites. It hardens a much better player than Simmons, um, in my mind. It does improve their defense, which would have been really bad. But it is an interesting move. Simmons has a real shot here at top 50 value rest of the way. Higher if you punt free throws. His usage is never going to be super high, and it's probably not going to be on this team, but he can be really efficient. He can get good assist numbers. He'll rebound the ball really well. He'll get good defensive stats. I think he's going to have some really, really big value here. As for Seth Curry, I think he maintains 30 minutes at least. He was getting like 33 or 34. So that is 35, actually. That's going to come down, I think. So there's going to be a dip in what Seth does. And he was sharing the ball basically with Maxi and Embiid. And now it's going to be half or a third Kyrie, Simmons, and Durant. So usage will drop for Seth. His value will drop. I think he is a 12-team league hold, but it may not last that way. He may not stay in that spot. A lot of people asking me, is Andre Drummond a must-add player? A lot of people asking me that. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. He goes from a situation of backing up Embiid, right? to a situation where, theoretically, you could argue that he's the best center on this team. <laughs> you could argue it. I probably wouldn't want to hear it, but you could argue it. So, you know, where do... You know, what, what, what do we look at with him from here? Like, is he the best center on this team? Aldridge, Griffin, Claxton, they're all still there. So, is he going to come in and play 30 minutes a night and then 18 minutes get split between Aldridge and Claxton? Almost definitely not. How much are they going to try and play Aldridge at the four? Well, they did that at the start of the year. It was a disaster. In the end, what you want is Simmons playing the four with Kyrie, Mills, and Curry at the other spots, I think. that's I think that's how they'll try and run things a lot of the time. Um, they actually waived DeAndre Bembry, the Nets. So, yeah, he's not around anymore in order to facilitate this deal. So that, to me, means they are going to lean more into those Seth and Mills line with Simmons being sort of a point guard who's a power forward yeah, at times as well. Um, in terms of lineups with Simmons out there, a Simmons and Drummond combination, it's it's horrific. Like, it's really, really not good at all. And you want to minimize that, I think, as much as possible. So Aldridge and Simmons works a lot better, makes a lot more sense. Claxton and Simmons, eh, not, not as good either. So I think it's going to be a three-headed mishmash of bullshit at that center spot. And I would not, myself personally, big fella Josh Lloyd, I would not run through to pick up Andre Drummond. I just, I, I just wouldn't. I, just don't, I don't think he's going to play enough. He might play 21 minutes a night. I, I just, I'm, I'm very much aware that I value Andre Drummond less than a lot of people. We saw him starting for the Lakers. We saw him starting for the Cavs. We saw him, yeah, we saw him be shit house in those roles. And I think the fit with Simmons as a starting player doesn't work to me. And Aldridge and Claxton, I know they're currently out. So Drummond's value will be up at the moment. But if Aldridge and Claxton come back, where do where does he fit? I think it's going... And Blake Griffin's still in the mix there as well. So I think it's going to be a little bit messy. For the... For the... Well, else do I need to look at here? Irving Durant get a bit boost as well. Simmons is not as high usage as what um, those two guys... Also, sorry, as what Harden was. So there's a little bit of a boost there. It obviously hurts Aldridge and Claxton just having Drummond get into that mix also. I think it hurts Paddy Mills quite a bit with the arrival of Seth Curry. Eventually, like eventually, obviously Seth Curry is replacing Harden on this team, but you're throwing Simmons into that mix as well. I think, I think Mills becomes more of a streamer versus a must-roster player, and that that will, might be what Curry ends up as well. On the Sixers side, 
Harden's value probably takes somewhat of a hit, but what are you going to do about it? Like, he's there. He's that player. He's going to be more motivated for sure. Him and Embiid. And if they, they maybe they drop a little bit, but I don't want to spend too much time on the nuances of whether Embiid is the fifth or the eighth best player. Because in the end, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter that much. You're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to swindle people in trades getting Harden or trading off of Harden or Embiid or anything like that. You just got to deal with it. And that's where you sit. But obviously, some other things change. Tyrese Maxey cops a big hit. Is he a droppable player? I don't think so yet. He could get completely marginalized as the fourth offensive option behind Harden, Embiid, and Harris. And I think that's probably going to happen. But remember, Curry is out. He's 35 minutes. Harden slides straight into those minutes. That's it. That's the change. Maxi doesn't go to the bench. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought. He does lose ball handling. He does lose usage. He probably drops 40, 50 spots. But that might be enough to keep him as a fringe player. Like if I had to choose between Maxi and Pat Mills, I would take Maxi. Maxi and Curry, probably Maxi. But he obviously loses a ton. I think it helps Matisse Thibel a little bit because you know, Thibel and his defensive ability can be hidden a little, or his offensive inability can be hidden next to Harden a little bit more. So you get him out there to play more minutes to really help cover Harden defensively. So they might lean into playing him a little bit more. We know they didn't want to play um, Thibel and Curry, so Thibel and Green together that much. Thibel and Simmons would have been a bad fit at some point as well if that ever eventuated. Um, I think that can boost Thibel's playing time somewhat here. There's uncertainty around where Shake Milton's role is. I think with Harden and Maxi as the ball handlers, you don't really need to play Milton a ton, which also helps Thibel get a little bit. But Thibel's value stays in that range of, hey, if I need defense, he's here. If I don't need defense, what am I doing? Like, I'm wasting my time with him. I, th I think that's how we look at it. Paul Millsap, probably going to have to be the backup center now, unless they're going to lean on Goldfinger Charlie Bassey. Th it's going to have to be Millsap. He's not very good. And he's pro he is probably a downgrade on Andre Drummond. As much as I shit on Drummond, Millsap was really bad this year. Um, and he's not going to have any sort of fantasy value uh, across many different spots at all, unfortunately for him. And that's one trade, and I've talked 10 minutes. This could be an absolute monster. But you know what else is a monster? Bet online. It's the number one spot for you to place all of your bets for the Super Bowl and for all NBA games. More props, more odds than lines, more lines than ever before. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has college hoops, pro hoops. Pro hoops sounds so lame. Boys, you want to join me for a game of pro hoops? The NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is where the game starts. I'm fired up. So fired up today. Uh, all right. Let's go on to the next trade. Big boy trade. Real big boy. Real chunky one, this one. It is a four-teamer. The Kings, the Bucks, the Pistons, and the Clippers. Let's talk about Sacramento first. They receive the big ragu, second time lucky, Dante DiVincenzo. They receive Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. And if I could fart on this, that's what sound that would make for those two blokes. They're not going to play really. DiVincenzo is the interesting one. Again, I get, and this is not me like bragging because, you know, whatever. Like, I'm still nobody. Um, but tons of Yahoo, not Yahoo, that's the wrong word, YouTube chats as the live show was going on. Tons of tweets about this. Tons of comments in other forums as well. Talking about you know, all these players. But a lot of hate. Do we add Dante DiVincenzo? No. I, I, don't, I don't think so. 
the Kings all of a sudden become really stacked through the wing guard position. Really stacked. They traded away. By the way, they got rid of Marvin Bagley. And if I'm going to shit on the Kings for their thought process on the Sabonis move, getting anything back for Marvin Bagley is a win. DiVincenzo is a much better player than Marvin Bagley. Much better player. And you get him and you get two other players back. Not that they're going to contribute, but they're just nice depth pieces. They were able to waive Robert Woodard and Jemias Ramsey, who were shithouse, and add some actual useful 13th, 14th men into the mix. That's a huge, huge win for Monty McNair. It's a massive trade. Even if DiVincenzo is not going to be the starter, and I don't think he is, it's a massive win. And it clears a little bit of the confusion up in the front court. So let's look at the Kings now. I think, Jack, you got something to say to Rishon Holmes? Get that garbage out of here! Yeah, sad times. Um, look, Sabonis gets hurt. Sure, Holmes will be the pickup. But we don't, can't bank on that shit. See you later, Rishon. That is really unfortunate. He was great to start the year. He fell off, and now it's done. He's done. He might not be top 200 from here on out. See you later. What they do at the starting line, right? Fox is going to start. Barnsey, the pencil. I've mixed it up, but it's fine. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnsey. He's going to start, as is DeMontis Sabonis. The other two spots, I, I don't know. They started last game with Chemezi Metu and Justin Holloway there. Holloway didn't play well. Jeremy Lamb outplayed him. But now they've got a choice between Davion Mitchell, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, or Dante DiVincenzo for that spot. And your other spot, you've got the choice to go with Mo Harkless. You can go with Chemezi Metu. Or you can push Barnes to the fore. And you can start Mitchell and Holiday, Mitchell and Lamb, Mitchell and DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo and Holiday, Holiday and Lamb. It's, it smells a lot like the bullshit on the wing with the Clippers. Where yeah, Mitchell might play 28. Lamb might play 27. Holiday might play 26. DiVincenzo might play 22. Metu might play 23. Where they're all going to just eat into each other's giggity playing time. So, I would still consider Davion Mitchell as a 12-team guy, but this is a huge but. It's a huge but. Davion Mitchell this season has played 26 minutes a game. He's the 258th ranked player. And that, kids, is shithouse. He was good last game. But there is a lot of competition here. I would still prioritize him over Holiday, over Lamb, and clearly over DiVincenzo. But he could easily be a drop. He could easily become a drop with those guys added in. And I think it's going to be messy with those players. As for Chemezi Metu, Mo Harkless, again, I think it's going to be messy. Metu might play 22. Harkless might play 22. Barnes plays some at the four, creating these options. They did get better, the Kings. Is it going to be enough to mean anything? And did they you know, do think dumb things by making some of these deals? Yes, but they're going to be better. And it's going to put squeezes on a lot of guys here. It eliminates Damian Jones's value. Trey Lyles, if he had any value, he's probably... Well, maybe he, he might even be out of rotation. Maybe he plays over Chemezi Metu or over Mo Harkless. Maybe he does. But he's not having 12-team value. There's a lot of mess here. And I think outside of Fox, Sabonis, Barnes, you're left with a bunch of fringe 12s in Lamb, Holiday, Metu, Mitchell. And I don't think DiVincenzo really is remotely close to it. The Clippers get Rocket Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale. You can just forget that. That's, they're not playing. They're just not playing. This was like a doing a favor to Surge, saving a little bit of money sort of a deal. 
The other side of that deal, of the other two teams involved in this big trade, were the Bucks, who get Serge Ibaka and two second-round picks for getting rid of Hood and Ojale. Nice piece of business. Ibaka just becomes the backup behind Bobby Portis until Brook Lopez returns. And that doesn't make him a 12-team league player. It does not. He wasn't playing every game for the Clippers. Um, we'll talk, actually, I'll talk about the Clippers more in a second. I probably should have just mentioned that. Um, actually, you know what? I've screwed that. Let's let's go back to the Clippers. Because with Ibaka gone, it does help Isaiah Hartenstein. Now, in saying this with Hartenstein, Ibaka wasn't playing every night. And there is still, if it's a Zubats, even though I think Hartenstein's the better player, there is still Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, and Bob Covington who, who can all play minutes at center. But one chess piece is off the board that Ty Lue can't screw around with. I would add Hartenstein. There is real significant top 100 potential here. Literally top 60 upside if he played 25 a night. That is how good he can be from a fantasy perspective. Now, he might end up playing 19 minutes a night because Zubitz plays 22 and then Morris Covington and Batum play the rest of those minutes there. That, that is possible. But Ibaka does help. It doesn't just clear thing, well, here's 30 minutes for Hartenstein because Ibaka was playing some nights zero minutes. But we saw last game, Hartenstein went through the roof and this is a great opportunity to go and add him. Great. He's almost one of the biggest winners out there, I think. And I can't believe I forgot to mention him on first pass through there. For the Bucks, yeah, Barker's just a deeper league player. He is, what, the 274th ranked player so far in 15 minutes. He might play 15 minutes. He might not play 15 minutes as we move forward. He's going to play the minutes backing up Portis. He won't play many next to Portis, but it does help bolster their big man stocks, which are pretty low. We saw Greg Monroe getting 15, 16 minutes. But you don't need to look at a Barker too much more there. And then onto the Pistons side. <clears throat> I don't actually know what they're doing. They give away second round picks. They give away Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson. Not the great pieces, but what's Marvin Bagley? Like, I don't value him at all. Um, what do we look at on the Pistons here? Jeremy Grant didn't get traded, so he's going to be out there jacking up shots. Is there a chance that he and Corey Joseph again get rested down the stretch here? Maybe. I think we can clearly drop Kelly Olynyk. Yes, Trey Lyles is gone, but Bagley takes those minutes. This is not an ad for Bagley. Bagley will not play over Jeremy Grant. He will not play over Sadiq Bey. And I would pretty surely not guess that he's not playing over Isaiah Stewart. He can get into the role that Lyles is playing, 20 minutes. He can take some minutes from um, Kelly Linick, but he can't shoot. He can finish around the rim, maybe. What else can he... He's not good. So no, Marvin Bagley's not a 12 or 14 or 16 team league. At 16 team points, maybe I'd consider it. Um, but a clear drop of Linick. Um, Josh Jackson wasn't even a guaranteed part of the rotation. He was playing because Cade Cunningham was out. And when Cade comes back, Josh, he wouldn't have played. So it l doesn't really change much there either. There's a marginal boost for Diallo, maybe. Magruder will play some minutes in the short term. But Josh wasn't a guy that was going to play most nights anyway. So basically, it's Bagley in, Lyles out. And I'd expect those minutes to just sort of almost straight transfer across. So Olenek, unfortunately... Nothing happened. Grant wasn't moved. Olenek wasn't moved. Bye. See you later. Jack Armstrong, do your worst. Get that garbage out of here! So yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that trade. A big four-way to give it get us um to get us kicked off early today. What did you think about that deal? Drop it down in the comments below if you are watching on YouTube. Because I've got other things to tell you about. I've got to tell you about Shopify. It is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. 
It gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. It's effortlessly. There's no effort. It's just smooth stuff with Shopify. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Wow, how zen. Like, like any business, like all these businesses, Shopify all across the world. Millions of businesses powered by Shopify. First sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash MBA. All lowercase. Got to use the little letters for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnMBA right now. Shopify.com slash LockedOnMBA. You know what time it is. It's Built Bar time. The best tasting protein bar ever. No cap. If you are looking for a delicious treat, why wouldn't you reach for a Built Bar? Because they're low in calories, 130 in most of those bars. 17 grams of protein. That's right up there on the protein scale. They taste great. They got low sugar, low fat, and low carbs. Why would you reach for a candy bar? Uh, too many bloody calories. Why would you reach for another type of protein bar? Uh, it's disgusting. Who wants to deal with that? Get a Built Bar. Fill all of your needs for healthiness and deliciousness all in one bar. And head to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 and you'll save 15% off your order of Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. Told you I'm fired up. Next trade, the Toronto Raptors get for Deuce Young. Big Drew Eubanks, who they're waving, and a 2022 second round pick that was the Pistons, because the Pistons are just chucking out second round picks even though they're bad. Because again, I, I don't think Troy Weaver's a good GM. I, I'll say it now, I, I don't think he's good. Um, so the Raptors get that, they're gonna wave Eubanks. San Antonio gets Goran Dragic and a 2022 lottery protected first from the Raptors. That's fine. That nice piece of business. San Antonio going wild in this trade deadline. Um, let's start on the Dragic side. He won't play for San Antonio. He'll get bought out. I am very, very certain. Haven't been told this. I'm very certain that Goran Dragic will go to Miami. He will eliminate the value of Gabe Vincent. Reduce the value of Caleb Martin, who will get converted from a two-way to a full-time contract. Limit the value of Strusi as well. Dragic will not be a 12 or a 14-team league pickup would be my guess. He will not be. That's where he will go. The Spurs get out of this just getting a first-rounder. As for the Raptors, Thad Young goes to Toronto. Okay, first thing you've got to think of, will Thad Young start over Van Bleet, Trent, Siakam, Ananobi, or Barnes? And the answer to all of those questions is no. So there's your limited value. Will he play more minutes than Ken Birch? Yep. Absolutely, has to. Will he play more minutes than the worst NBA player in the world? Precious Achua. Yes. Yes, he will. Will he play more minutes than Chris Boucher? Yes, I think he will. The problem I have with this Raptors rotation still is the, f the top four guys that you could think are coming off the bench are all, sorry kids, they're all fucking centers. Like, what are we doing? You're going to run four power forwards in your starting lineup and have four centers coming off the bench. And yes, Thad can play the four. He's better as a center. Boucher can play the the four. He he well actually he's better as a four. Achura is a five. Birch is a five. So it doesn't really help to give minutes relief to any of these guards. Well, guards, guards, Trent and Van Bleet. 
So someone's missing out. I think Birch is out of the rotation. I think Boucher is a pretty clear drop. I'd be happy to move on from him. Achua, if you're in uh, you, those couple of guys out there in your hundred team leagues, maybe you consider holding on to Achua, but you probably don't need to. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one to figure out where Thad sits. Does he play 24 minutes a night? If he plays 24 minutes a night, he's a 12 team league player. I think that they would want to rely upon him more than Birch and Achua and Boucher. And I think 24 is realistic. But again, there's just so many bloody centers coming off the bench here. I think 24 minutes from Thad is possible and I would add him in 12 team leagues. And again, I would drop Boucher and do whatever you want with those other guys like Bantons and and those sort of players. So I think Delano Banton will be a regular-ish rotation guy, but that won't really have any impact for most... um, for most people in their fantasy leagues. Now, the Spurs again getting involved in things with another deal. My man, Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. He goes to Boston. The Spurs get Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and another first round pick. Good piece of business again. I like Derek White. I think he's really good. He's not really on a rebuilding timeline. He's 27. He's been pretty good for most of this year, apart from the iffy first month. He's good. But getting a first-round pick while you're rebuilding, opening up minutes for young players like Josh Primo is useful. I think it's I think it's actually pretty strong from the Spurs. So what does it do to value here? We'll talk about wide in a second because there's a lot to talk about with Boston, another really active team. Um, so what happens to the Spurs? Well, I think we've got to add Devin Vassell. I think Vassell will start. I hope that we don't get Josh Richardson starting. As much as I like Josh Richardson, I think Vassell is clearly what they need to do and Vassell will start and he is a must-roster player, a must-add player. All right, I think Murray gets a bit of a boost, but it doesn't matter. You're already, you're already rostering him. That doesn't really matter. Um, does it hurt Keldon Johnson a little bit with Richardson coming in? Maybe, but probably not too much. I think what it does do is it helps it helps them play a lot of these weird lineups with Keldon. Not weird. Lineups with Keldon at the four. The... Does Josh Richardson become a 12-team league guy? Probably not. I think he's more of a 14-team league player. Because again, I think Vassell gets that boost. And with Richardson, it's Richardson off the bench. There's Trey Jones, there's Lonnie Walker, there's Josh Primo, there's Romeo Langford. There's a lot of names there. So I don't think Richardson waltzes into a large enough role to be a 12-team league guy. I think Lonnie Walker might actually get kicked out of the rotation. He played 11 minutes last game. Primo played more than him. Primo's a better prospect. Primo's a better player. And I could argue that Langford might even be better than uh, Lonnie Walker. We know Pop loves some defense. Langford can't do shit offensively, but he can defend. I think Lonnie might be cooked. I think his value in whatever leagues you're rostering Lonnie Walker might be. I think he's out of the rotation personally. And I think Primo and Richardson get a crack at that. Vassell moves in and you get Primo, Richardson, and Trey Jones even. So Joshi is like a 14-teamer. Vassell is a, a must-roster in all spots. I feel okay about saying that. It might not work. They might still play him 26 minutes a night and he might be shithouse. That's possible, but I would add him. Boston's really interesting because their roster is not complete. They have 12 players, including two-way guys. That's not even the minimum. So they have got a ton of open roster spots. They're involved in a bunch of trades. We'll cover them off a little bit more later on. Actually, no, well, let's, let's cover off... The, the impact, well, who, who we need to really look at here, and it is Derek White, who I think is going to lose some value, but not as much as you think. I think we've got to hold on to maximum Derek because remember, 
Josh Richardson was playing like 27 minutes a night. All right, so there you go. Give those minutes all over to Derek White. Romeo Langford was playing sometimes 12, 13 minutes. They're all gone. And you know who else? Dennis Schroeder, he's gone too. So Derek White is going to play close to 30 minutes. He'll come off the bench, I'm fairly certain. Smart Brown, Tatum, Horford, Williams will start. They could move Horford to the bench, but I don't think they will, considering they got Daniel Tice back to help solidify the backup center spot. But there are so many backup guard minutes available there. The competition is Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. And Yudoka has not wanted to rely upon those guys at all. So White, while he might not play 32 or not, 28 to 29 is definitely possible. Do not drop Derek White, please. You've got to look at the whole picture. No Langford, no Schroeder, and no the other guy that I just can't remember, Richardson. All gone. So White's going to get that opportunity. Then next thing comes down to whether it's Neesmith or Pritchard who gets the other role. That's only for deeper leagues, obviously. I think Pritchard's probably the more useful player. They also, as I said, bring in Daniel Tice. Now, Tice probably cuts a little bit of the value off of Grant Williams, who was getting a lot of minutes there, and his freedom's gone. He wasn't an every-night player anyway. Tice is not going to be a pickup. But Tice gives them a little bit of stability, can be a solid enough rotation-ish guy, but they don't need to rely upon him for big minutes, and he's not going to have huge amounts of... um, Huge amounts of fantasy value. But we're going to cover that off more in some of these other trades as we move forward. But um, there's a bunch of stuff. Oh, well, let's, let's look at another weird trade here from the from the Celtics that involved players that they had. This is just literally a, a money dump. They traded away Bol Bol, PJ Dozier. And I've just fucked that up on the screen there, sorry. Bol Bol, Dozier, and a future second were traded to the Magic, not to the Spurs. And Boston gets back a future second. They gave cash to the Magic as well. That is just a dump. Bol Bol won't play. Dozier's out for the season. Nothing to worry about that. The Magic then waived Carter Williams and each one more, who haven't played this season and weren't going to play, it looks like. So both of those guys are um, out of there. That is the most inconsequential trade that happened today, quite obviously. The next one is consequential. Another team involved in this that had a couple of big moves today. The Charlotte Hornets and the Washington Wizards. Let's start with Charlotte first and look at what they did because they brought in the table Montrez Harrell. They sent out Ish Smith, Vernon Carey, and a second round pick. Carey didn't play. Ish literally didn't play every night either. And a second comes, a uh, second as well. Who cares? Um, so we are trying to squeeze Montrez Harrell's minutes in there without losing anybody. Now, I guess what we look at there is go... We go, well, Gordon Haywood's out for a long time. So Harold can move into the rotation there and play that role. Yeah? Okay. But it's obviously a different position. Will Harold start over Mason Plumley? You ready for a spicy take? No, I, I don't think he will. Because you know why? Montrez Harold is too... How rude do I want to get? He, he doesn't want to play against starting centers because then it hurts his numbers. And because he gets absolutely roasted by good players. So that's why he doesn't start. So he goes out there and he puts up his 14 and 6 in 25 minutes and people go, oh, look at the efficiency. What a baller. He's built different. Man, he is, he's just a pure hooper. You know, real, real, got that dog in him. Like he's, yeah, because he can't t- cut it against good players. Right? That, that's the issue with Harold. So while we might criticize Mason Plumley, rightfully so, if Harold starts, it'll be a laugher. He'll get, they'll get cooked. So I don't think he will. So where does he fit? on this team. There's still PJ Washington. I guess with Haywood out, PJ's going to have to just play a lot more at the four and Bridges pushing down to the three more and Jalen McDaniel's still out as well. So Harold, I don't think it pushes him into a 28-minute-a-night role. 
There's still Plumlee, there's still Washington. Maybe it's 23-24. I don't mind taking a flyer on Harold, but yeah, I'd prioritize Hartenstein. I'd prioritize Vassell over him pretty clearly. Does it make PJ Washington a drop? Probably yes. But then who's their backup? Now, they weren't really running a backup point guard. Ish would play sometimes. But Rogier's going to have to handle that. But with Haywood out, I think this does push James Booknight into the regular rotation if he stops crying. Like, I think he gets into the rotation. Now, this only matters for 30-team leagues and 20-team leagues. But I think he's got a chance to establish because he is also a horrific passer and not a point guard. He's, he's just not. Their, their point guard depth is Lamelo Ball, and that is it. Rogier might be listed as a point guard, but he isn't. Booknight might also have point guard eligibility, but he isn't. Like, but he's going to have to play some at times. Haywood is their, is their point guard, really, but he's out. So I think Booknight moves in. I, I'm still, I, I don't, this could, ha- look, they could just say we're playing Plumley 17 minutes. They could easily say that. And Harold gets 28. And Washington plays 18 minutes behind Bridges. Uh, that, that, that's possible. Montrez Harrell is no better than PJ Washington and no better than Mason Plumlee in my mind. So how James Borrego works it is still a big question that's up in the air. Another trade that's relatively inconsequential, the Suns get Aaron Holiday, the Wizards get money. That's important to note when we talk about the Wizards more in a second. What is important there is what that suggests to me is that maybe Campaign and Landry Shamets, wrist and ankle respectively, aren't healing particularly well. I think that's what... Yeah, that gives me a little bit of pause on that. They're not healing particularly well. Holiday, if you added him because of the Beal injury, you can see him all the way later. What do you reckon, Jack Armstrong? Get that garbage out of here! Yeah, he becomes a very, 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 very deep league, very deep league option. That's about it. Now, the other trade that I was talking about here with the Wizards is this one, an absolute monster. This is huge. And this, honestly, I was live when this happened. My jaw fell open. I saw yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie is getting traded to Dallas. Oh, okay, fair enough. For Christos Porzingis. What the fuck are you talking about for Christos Porzingis? A lot of thoughts on this one. Um, Dallas gets Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Washington gets Christos Porzingis in a future second. Um, let's go to the Wizards side because we didn't cover what happened with them in that Charlotte deal, but we're going to cover it all now. They... Their point guard spot, or well, let's 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 overarch this. I know that there's reports that Porzingis might be returning soon. I, I know that he's dealing with a bone bruise in his knee. They have just said that they are Bradley Beal is having surgery and won't return this season. They just sent out a guy that was starting for them for money. They they just traded away their point guard. They are not seriously competing for anything. And you can tell me that they're just out of the plane, and that might be true. But they they are not. With these moves, every indication to me is here. Let's tank the rest of the way. Let's build it back next year. Damian Lillard in Portland style with Beal, with Porzingis, and see where we go. They are just out of the plane. They're one and a half games behind the Hawks. But does anyone realistically think they're catching the Hawks or the Hornets or even holding off the Knicks, who they're one game ahead of, without Beal? No way. Absolutely no way. They are... Now, they're probably not going to catch the Pistons or the Magic, and they're not going to catch the Pacers, but they're going to try to tank their ass off to get into that bottom three of the East. Maybe they can catch the Pacers, but they're five, six and a half games ahead of them. But they want to make sure they get behind the Knicks, and I just don't see them. I know their owner's like, we're never going to tank. We're so cool. But these moves, selling a player who was starting, Aaron Holiday, having Beal get the surgery, trading for a guy who's dealing with a bone bruise, who can easily just say get healthy for the next two months, 
to me, I could be wrong, very easily wrong on this, but that is what that is what that indicates to me, is that those guys are not trying for the rest of the way. You cannot seriously be saying, we are making a push for the play-in. Our point guards are Hull Neto and Ish Smith. Now, if something happens with maybe um, Dennis Schroeder, which we'll talk about later, and he gets bought out and heads to Washington, then maybe I change my mind. Because this would be an opportunity for him to get minutes. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, what is the... Va- well, again, I, I don't know where the Puzingas is going to play. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of it. Harrell is gone. We know that much. So Tom Bryant is the only center available at the moment. Yes, there is value to add him. I don't think that he's really a guy you want playing big minutes, but yes, he's an adder for now. I would add Gafford as well. Now, ideally, you want Porzingis to take a lot of those center minutes. I don't think he's going to play, and I don't think they're going to play him at center um, enough of those minutes for that to work. They probably should, considering they've got Kuzma and Hachimura at the four. And if Porzingis does play and plays at center, then both Bryant and Gafford are drops. But with my inclination that they're going to try Porzingis at the four a little bit, and that also he's not going to play that much, if at all, then I would be happy taking a flyer on Gafford, probably over Bryant, although Bryant short-term works because of the absence of Gafford, but I wouldn't prioritize that over a Vassal or a Hartenstein. So it's a very, very interesting... It's one of these ones, much like Indiana, which we'll talk about later on, where I just don't know because I don't know what's happening with Porzingis. Because if he is in, Gafford and Bryant have no value. And he's going to have big, big per-game numbers. If he is out, then Kuzma goes through the roof. Right? Really through the roof. And the other thing, at point guard, I don't know. There's Hull Neto and Ishmith. They're their point guards. Do, does one of them get 30? One gets 18? I don't know. Do they both get 26 and share the court a little bit? Most likely. Does it make any of them must-roster 12-team league players? I don't think so. It could develop into that situation, but I think at best case... They're like top 130, best case, if one of them played 31. And that's not that great for me. You know, could Corey Kispert play 30 minutes? Sure. Could Denny Avdia play 30 minutes? Sure. Is it going to be enough for me to think they're must-roster players? No, because it's a KCP, Avdia, Neto, Kispert, Smith, Hachimura, mishmash of bullshit. Like, that's just how it feels that it's going to be to me. And none of those guys I feel strongly enough about to look at and say, well, they are great fantasy options. I just, I don't see that at all. I will be watching the Smith-Neto situation. I'll watch the Kispert-Avdia-Caldwell-Pope situation. And of course, waiting to hear more on Porzingis. But if I'm taking a flyer on anyone, it's probably Gafford. I still think he's a better player than Bryant. He's under contract still. But Bryant in the short term might have some value. And then that can all just blow up and change completely as we move forward with stuff. Very, very easily change. Um, on to the Dallas side of things. Porzingis is gone. Dinwiddie's in. If you added Dinwiddie, I think you can drop Dinwiddie. In fact, Jack Armstrong... Get that garbage out of here! Look, let's be real. He's been terrible this year in 30 minutes a night. And I really don't think he's taking minutes away from Luka Doncic. Lol. I don't even think he's taking minutes away from um, Jalen Brunson. There is a role for him on the bench there, for sure. Reggie Bullock might lose a minute or two, but I think Dinwiddie plays like a 26-minute-a-night role. 25, maybe. Maybe that gets higher. I don't believe so. We get They'll play a lot more with Finney Smith at the four. Bullock at the three with Brunson and Doncic starting. The centers, where you've got Dwight Powell and Muxy Kleber. 
I think they'll start Powell and Kleber will come off the bench. And then you've got Marquise Chris. They waived Moses Brown, by the way. Those Moses Brown truth is out there. He isn't good. He isn't good. But yeah, so that, they waived him. Would I add Kleber or Dwight Powell? Probably not. I know the inclination is, while well, Porzingis is gone, therefore, um, you know, these guys become must-add guys. I, I, I honestly don't think that's true. I don't think they're must-add must, must, must add players. Um, it, they could develop into that. We could see one of them lock down a 30-minute-a-night role. But I think they're going to go small-ish with Finney Smith at the four a lot and with some backup minutes there for um, Kleber. And then Powell sort of mixing in those, and they play like 26, 25 each, which leaves them as very, very fringy sort of players. So I think I'd rather have Kleber and Powell, I reckon, than Dinwiddie. I think there's more clear path for minutes. I'd rather have Finney Smith over all of them, and I'd have Bullock over all of them. And I wouldn't be bothering with Dinwiddie. So that's how that all looks. Next deal. This one's interesting. Not from a Phoenix perspective, because they get Tory Craig. That's well and good. But what Tory Craig does in Phoenix, I think, is he takes a little of that, I think, because Jay, uh, Landry Shamit's out. That helps there too. But what it does do is reduces the value of Jay Crowder and of Cam Johnson. Johnson has no hope now, I don't think, of playing 29 minutes. So that means Cam Johnson's a 12-team drop. He's played 23 minutes, or sorry, he's played 26 minutes a night this year. Johnson's 128th ranked player. I think he'll find it hard to get to that number. Craig and Crowder, it's going to find it hard. Right? They replaced Jalen Smith, who wasn't playing, with Tory Craig, who I'm sure will play, but even if it's 17, 18 minutes. Aaron Holiday's into that mix. He'll take some pain and Shamit minutes. Johnson was trending down anyway. I think he's a drop in this situation. The intriguing side of it is in Indiana. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, it's impossible to know because I don't know what is happening with Miles Turner. He's out until the All-Star break, but that's like another week. So he might be back after that. And we don't know what's happen, happening with Malcolm Brogdon. He's doubtful for their next game, which is what, today, I think? He's doubtful for that one. Is he going to play again? I wouldn't, but what if he does? What if Turner plays? Could Tory Craig has been starting at the four, right? So they need a starting four. Is it going to be Isaiah Jackson, who they haven't played at the four at all? Is it going to be Jalen Smith? I think it's possible that it is Jalen Smith. I think he, I think he can play at the four. I think Jackson can. I think Smith's arrival actually hurts a little bit of Isaiah Jackson's upside. Because if Turner doesn't return, we could have got a lot of Jackson, a lot of Goga. And now I think we're going to have Goga. You're going to have um, Jackson. You're going to have Jalen Smith. You're going to have O'Shea Brissett. Even the Red Rooster, all sort of cutting into each other. Now, the priority probably is going to be Goga and, and Jackson, but don't count Jalen Smith out of there. He's the highest draft pedigree player out of all those guys. Not that that means a ton, but he was the 10th pick. Shouldn't have been, but he was. And there is something there. I would be... Well, Jalen Smith... Well, not Jalen Smith. He's not going to play initially because he's getting traded, and Jackson's been out. Goga's, Goga's a go here. Short-term, Goga has value. And if Turner doesn't come, I, I actually do think Miles Turner returns. If, but if Turner doesn't return, I think they'll continue to start Goga. They'll play Jalen Smith at the four and Isaiah Jackson between them. And all three of them could be 12-team league guys. But I probably, at this point, it is lining up to me that Goga's going to be the guy. But I, don't, I just don't know. There is a ton of uncertainty. Everything Carlisle's done so far has been Goga over Jackson, very clearly. It's very clearly been the case. But with Craig gone, do they, have, do they start Brissette? 
Does he come into the mix? Holy shit, another name. Brissette Smith and Jalen, uh, not Jalen, um, and Jackson. It's very muddled. And I'm not certain that one is a clear, clear, gotta have this player sort of scenario. And then, of course, we don't know what's going on with Brogdon. If he doesn't come back, then Duarte gets the boost. Heald gets the boost. But if Brogdon plays, Duarte is not a 12-team league guy with Heald, Halliburton, and Brogdon all there. It's going to hurt his value. You know, Lance Stevenson coming off the bench, Dwayne Washington. So they, they're doing the right thing in rebuilding and getting guys in. But I, I, you worry a bit. The Turner and Brogdon thing still hangs over them. I don't think Warren and McConnell are coming back. But if they come back, that fucks it up even more. We don't know where anyone anyone fits in. So while you can take a flyer on Goga, you can take a stash on Jackson, you can try Jalen Smith. The odds are that it doesn't work out and that it's just all over back and forward. Goga to me feels like the guy, but I, I, I will go back on this almost every hour. Is it Goga or is it Jackson? And now Smith's in the mix. I, I don't know which way they're going to go. Goga can't play at the four. I don't think they want to play too much of Jackson and Goga together. I mean, if Turner comes back, they all lose value. Will Jackson and Turner ever play together? There's just a ton of questions on this Pacers team that we just don't have answers for. And my projections at the moment, if I'm looking at Basketball Monster, my projections have Jackson and then Goga and Smith, but all as top 180 players. And none of them as... Actually, Jackson I've got as a top uh, top 100 guy. So he's probably the priority, but the, I've got a ton of uncertainty. And Goga's going to be the guy in the short term. And then Turner comes back and screws it all over. It's a really weird spot. Um, the last trade of the night. The Celtics and the Rockets. We talked about the Celtics already. Getting Daniel Tice. And they send out Ennis Freedom, Dennis Schroeder, and Bruno Fernando. There's been no word on this from Woj. Woj said they might waive some players. They've waived one of them, and that's Ennis Freedom. I I don't know what they're going to do with um, Schroeder. They're not playing John Wall, so why would they? Why would Schroeder cut into Porter and Christopher and Matthews and Green's playing time? He won't. DJ Augustin being waived. He wasn't even playing every night anyway. Does Schroeder actually play for this team? An expiring contract for a twenty-eight-year-old who's not actually that good. Um. I think Dennis Schroeder is a clear 12-team drop. Get that garbage out of here! I'm not even convinced he plays for them. Now, he might get bought out and go to Washington and, and gain value back. That's possible. And if you want to hold to see what happens, I don't mind. Like, dropping Rashawn Holmes, fine. Bye-bye. See you later. Like, that's that's a pretty easy one. Dropping Kelly Linick, yeah, go for it. Why not? If you, if you have Schroeder and you want to hold just to see if he gets bought out, because this is the real buyout situation here. This is the buyout spot in Houston. And then hoping that he gets picked up by Washington. But again, if they are doing what I think they're doing, then it doesn't make sense to bring him in. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really know what to make of Schroeder on this team. Tice going out doesn't actually, despite what you might think, it doesn't actually help Alperen Shengun. Because Tice was playing zero minutes a night. Zero. Doesn't help Shengun. The fact that Eric Gordon didn't get, get traded hurts Shengun. Because the reason that Shengun was starting is because Gordon was out. So does Gordon come back and start? He's out again for next game. But does Gordon come back and start and then Shingun moves back to the bench? It's possible. Shingun's still a must-roster player, by the way. Um, but it might hurt his overall value. Christian Wood's still there. Yeah, KJ Martin stash. You can forget that one. Josh Christopher stash. I think you can forget that. There is a chance that Eric Gordon, though, doesn't 
like he's got this plantar fasciitis, there's a legitimate chance he doesn't play this season. I said this the other day, this injury is either one to you know, help preserve him for a trade or to give us cover to say that he's getting shut down and not playing this season. So don't be surprised if Eric Gordon doesn't play. And then that does help Shengu, and then that does help Christopher, and does help KJ. But I, I'm not convinced that Schroeder plays. That has to play out still. And, you know, it is, it is still a little bit all over the place. Now, I'm going to try my best. Again, this is right after this stuff just happened to go through and talk about who I think maybe are the biggest winners and losers from today. The big winner, of course, number one is Ben Simmons because he's playing. I think Hartenstein's a big winner. I think Isaiah Jackson's a decent-sized winner with the... Um, with, with well, Not really with what happened today, but just in general over the deadline. Devin Vassell's a huge winner. I think Kelly Oubre's a bit of a winner because of the injury to Haywood but also the fact that Harrell comes in and they don't have guards, so everyone's got to push down. That gives him more minutes available at the wing. I think Dan Gafford and Tom Bryant are sort of winners with Harrell gone and with my assumption that Porzingis plays very little, but that might not be true. I think Thad Young's a winner, goes from zero minutes to at least 20. I don't think Andre Drummond's a must-roster player, but I think he's a winner because he gains some value. I think a little bit he gains there. Maybe it's a 14-team league guy. I think Jalen Smith's a winner, but again, that role, we, we don't know. Hal Neto and Ish Smith, they're both winners, but is it enough to impact most leagues? Mm, I don't know. Serge Barker goes from does he actually play to being a guy with a solid 15 to 16 minute a night role. That has value. Josh Richardson, I think, gains a little bit of value on a worse team. A few more shots coming his way. A few more ball handling opportunities as well for Josh. Not a 12-team guy, but a boost in value. And Daniel Tice goes from not playing to getting into a rotation, which is important for deeper leagues. If you want to look at guys that I think are, uh, are losers, as I've just brought the wrong um, screen up, so I'm just going to... I haven't brought it up on your end, but I am going to... I was just about to. Um, why is that not coming up? Hmm. All right, so we got that fixed now. Let's have a look at the losers from today. Tyrese Maxey loses a lot of value. Yeah, I think I don't think he's a drop yet, but it could get that way. Rashawn Holmes, see you later. Kelly Linick, bye-bye. Dennis Schroeder, probably bye-bye, but we just spoke about him for quite a while here, talking about where his value might lie. Um, Derek White loses value for sure, but not a drop. And Spencer Dinwiddie loses a lot, and I think he does become a pretty clear drop. That was a very busy day. It was a big show. Let me know what you think about all those moves that did go on. Drop them in the comments below. Apologies for the delay on the live stream over on Locked On NBA. It was out of our control. I was sitting there like you guys, waiting for it to start, waiting to talk, and being pretty frustrated that we couldn't get it to go. Um, but I, I was out of my hands. I was just waiting like everyone else. Drop your comments down below. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.